Hi, this is Joe with the Next in Ed podcast series. This school year has been crazy for us so far, and so Julie and Marcy and I have decided that we are going to produce a new interview every other Tuesday. So, please enjoy this week's podcast, and know that a new one is coming up very soon. Hi, this is Marcy McNeil, producer of the Next in Ed podcast. If you have a topic you think we should discuss, or someone you think we should interview, or if you would just like to give us some feedback, you can email us at nextinedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us through Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And now, we hope you enjoy the following episode. Hi, welcome to Next to Ned. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie. Hey. Guess what? Spooky Julie. Yes, Halloween is coming Yeah. (laughs) You like Halloween? I love Halloween. Me too. Ever since I was a kid, it's my favorite. Love dressing up, Mm -hmm. going, I'll date myself, would go to TG&Y. Oh, yeah. Pick out the little plastic mask and the the costume. It says flammable on the inside. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Will you have any big plans? Uh, no, probably have the family over, have a little bonfire because it's on Sunday. But um, my, my Halloween story is is this, is that I just had my 36th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Week. Thank you. And, uh, but Don and I, our first date was actually um, Halloween. Really? And I was not expecting him. He just came to the door and knocked on my dorm door. And I was dressed as a pumpkin. Big <laughs> pumpkin. <laughs> Anyway, was, 30, he dre- was he dressed up? No, he didn't know I was going to a party. I didn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> he came on to the party anyway. So it was fun times. Did we he quickly Halloween. dress up as Linus and go with No, <laughs> he just came. There? Don, that's enough. <laughs> so. I'm excited to talk to our guest today. Me too. We, we Me went too. straight to the top for this one. Yes, yes. Do you remember um, Terrell Patrick that came? Of course. And, and our episode with him. It's yes, great. absolutely. Yeah. So we, we got his boss. All right. <laughs> so. so in the studio with us today, we have a district attorney, Ashley Rich. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. And I think you had a, a little Halloween story you were going to tell. No, I'm not telling anything about <laughs> Halloween other than I like to eat as much candy as I possibly That's can. Because right. it's the one time of year where I just go crazy with candy. So Yeah, I have to buy mine. Uh, or If I buy it early, I have to hide it. From yourself? Yeah, and from my husband. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> this is gone by Halloween. I don't buy mine early. <laughs> so I have to hide it for myself. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So, well, uh, let's back up and tell us your story of how you ended up becoming the district attorney here for Mobile. Well, it's really kind of, you, you did a pun and you didn't know it, but you said we went straight to the top. Well, I'm a University of Southern Mississippi graduate, and that's our little saying to is the to top. the top. Oh, how about so that? there that's you right. go. But I love how the colleges always come up too. So that's wonderful. Um, but no, my story is this. I'm a Mobile girl, born and born and raised here. I tell people that I was born under an Isaiah Bush because my family has just got deep, deep roots here. And uh, I went to graduated from Davidson High School. Go Warriors right here in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, loved it and went to the University of Southern Mississippi and got a degree in communications, which is pretty poignant that we're right here doing <laughs> some communications, right. aren't, isn't it? I'm sure that has come in handy. Back in then your, I was uh, very old uh, and um, they called it radio, television, and film. 
but now we oh, call it communications. communications. Yeah. So, uh, graduated from Southern Miss and went to work in a law firm doing, um, I was a paralegal, I got a double major in communications and paralegal studies. And I was doing all the work, and the lawyers were out having fun. <laughs> and so I did that for about four years, and I said, what is wrong with this picture? Right. I can do this. If I'm doing all the background and the legwork, and they're signing all the papers that I'm drafting, why can't I put myself through law school? And so um, I went to my parents, and I told them that I wanted to go to law school, and they said, well, good luck. <laughs> because, <laughs> because they knew that it was very expensive to go to law right. school. But, um I just put my mind to it and took out student loans and put myself through law school. And there's no law school locally, so you had to go somewhere for that. I loaded up my boxer dog at the time Mm -hmm. in a U-Haul truck, and we moved to Jackson, Mississippi. Did you? And I went to the uh, Mississippi College and Uh School of Law, graduated there, came back home, and uh, was clerking for uh, one of our judges downtown and saw what they were doing at the district attorney's office. Saw that the prosecutor was the guy that, or girl that wore the white hat, walked in the courtroom and did the right thing for victims of crime and provided justice for victims and put the bad guys in jail. And it's just that simple. And I fell in love with it and I've been doing it ever since. That's an amazing story. That's uh-huh. quick. That was a quick version, though. Yeah. Well, sure. there's a lot more. There's a lot more <laughs> That's to what I it. Think. There's a lot more to it. But um, I will say this: that I was blessed um, to be able to uh, go to school. I had a great um, experience here at Davidson High School, and it really set the groundwork for me to be a good student and go to the University of Southern Mississippi and excel there, and then uh, use my talents also in law school. And you know, I just. Um, I think it's so very important that when our young people, especially our graduating seniors here at Mobile County Public Schools, that they go out into the world before they decide what their major is going to be and maybe do an internship and look at um, what they think they want to do. I have a daughter that's a senior in high school this year, and Mm -hmm. she says, I want to be a dentist. I said, have you ever been to the dentist office? Have you ever seen what they do? She goes, well, Mom, I mean, I see what they do to me. I said, no, no, no. That's not what being a dentist is all about. So she's going to go do a little internship with a dentist and see if she really wants to be a dentist right I think that's very important I think that that can uh definitely change your trajectory if you think that you're going to go to dental school and then you get to your first biology class or wait two years right and then you get to your biology class and you're like same thing with the legal profession and I, I spoke to a group of students today as a matter of fact and said if you're thinking you want to go into the field of law you need to come down spend some time at our office watch a case or two and see if that's really what you want to do Right. It's just important that they do that. You, gr- you spoke to a group of students today? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. So it was a wonderful experience, and um, it was a college class at oh, the gotcha. University of South Alabama. But mm-hmm. I do come and speak to students here um, quite often. That's great. And I, and I love what you're talking about, about having an internship or an experience ahead of time. We've had a few guests that have come in and say, well, I was going to be a nurse but the whole blood thing. So they yeah. <laughs> they were right, already in, in, right. in college taking classes. Two years then, down, yes. Yeah, and then and, they realized mm-hmm. that they just can't do it. You know, one of the best things about my background also is that when I was at Davidson High School, I did the work-study program, and I got to leave school early and actually had my first job at 15 years old mm-hmm. at an architect firm here in, in Mobile. And uh, it gave me the opportunity and the the foundation um, to be in a work environment at a very young age and to learn how to deal with people and it was a great experience that the Mobile County Public Schools gave me that opportunity absolutely uh, my junior and senior year at Davidson absolutely now they have the academies you know that does a lot of the similar things and I'm also thinking that your degree in communication certainly came in handy 
I had no idea it would come in handy (laughs) uh, being a lawyer, much less being an elected official and the district attorney, because it certainly is. And every day I use my communications degree uh, in some form or fashion, whether it is speaking to groups, speaking to um, students, uh, speaking to college students, speaking to uh, elementary students. I mean, it's just important. And doing things like this, the podcast. We do a lot, interestingly enough for your listeners, we do a lot of um, uh, crime podcasts. They come uh, in and uh, hear about the cases that we've had right here in Mobile, Alabama, and they love to do podcasts about murder cases and things that we have had um, that go, you know, from start to finish here in in Mobile. So we've we've filmed, I mean, excuse me, we have taped uh, two podcasts just in the last two weeks. Oh, you'll have to give me those on the side because, (laughs) you know, the crime ones are are our favorites. (laughs) They're they're pretty interesting. They're They're very interesting. interesting. And it's interesting that people are interested in what's going on right here in Mobile um, with our DA's office. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, I would great. So were, you were interviewed, obviously, for those those podcasts? Absolutely. And we go through the facts of the case, how the prosecution went, um, how the trial went, what, you know, what was the verdict, um, where the case is now as far as in the appellate process, how are the victims, all of those things that you would want to hear in a, a murder podcast. Wow. So Exciting. You're, you're a pro. Yeah, podcasting podcast. now. We're, we're, no, no, we're no, no, not at all. No, no, week, I'm not so. a pro. <laughs> Definitely not a pro. This is y'all's uh, thing, not mine. Uh. <laughs> so here's my question. What does the district attorney's office have to do with education and, and our children? Well, it's interesting you should ask because we just talked about murder podcast and that's, mm-hmm. you know, We have a mission statement at the Mobile County District Attorney's Office. And the first prong of the mission statement is to vigorously prosecute crime. And that's what we do every day in the courtrooms down at Mobile Government Plaza. We vigorously prosecute crime. But our mission statement wouldn't be complete without um, addressing the community element. And our community element is that we work to prevent crime before it happens. And so that's why it's so important for the district attorney to be involved uh, in our local schools, in educating young people at all ages about making good decisions, making good choices, um, what are the consequences if you choose to do something that's criminal or illegal, what can happen to you, and they hear um, very much like you would hear on a podcast, they hear the bad things that go on and they understand how people's choices led them um, to become a criminal and then, you know, that criminal activity and behavior progressed and progressed until finally they were put in jail for the rest of their life. And so it's important as the district attorney that I work to shape young people's minds in a positive way and make sure that they're going down the right path, not the wrong path, so that I never see them in the courtrooms in Mobile government plaza. So what are some ways that you do that? We first and foremost is we um, go into the schools, we help uh, principals, we help uh, social workers that are in the schools, we help the truancy officers, uh, we help just about everybody but uh, that's in the schools in in as a leader in the schools and we go in and we can either do um, uh, assemblies We can do small assemblies if there's just one particular grade that we need to target because there's been um, some bullying incidents in that uh, grade or there's been some gang activity uh, in that grade or there's been um, some just really uh, not productive things going on in that community, then we can target a small group or we can do large full school assemblies and talk about issues. But we want to just talk about issues, you know, 
a lot of times it's interesting when we first started this, parents got upset because we were coming in talking about these really hard topics to their kids in school. But the reality is these kids are facing these topics every single day. And we need to just talk about them. And we need to have an atmosphere and promote an atmosphere within the school that the kids feel safe and comfortable in talking about things. Because if they don't share things with us as educators, I consider myself somewhat of an educator, mm-hmm. then we never know about the problems. And we, do, we can't address the problems if we don't know about them. And so I have a whole program at the district attorney's office, as you probably heard with Mr. Patrick, the Youth and Family Services Program, where our social workers are in the schools every day. And they're trying to um, develop relationships with our young people from elementary all the way up to high school and making sure that the young people that see them in the schools and see them uh, see a familiar face know that there's somebody that they can talk to and it's interesting we have to make sure we stress that we're not there from a law enforcement perspective we're there to help them so that law enforcement never sees them right. that's the difference um, between us and law enforcement is although we have a badge and although we though we are the mobile county district attorney's office and we ultimately prosecute people we're there because we have a public interest in making sure that our students are making good choices and staying out of um, a life of crime. And so we make sure they understand that when they talk to us, they're not talking to us like we're law enforcement. They're talking to us like we're just someone, another figure that wants to help them when they may not feel comfortable talking to their principal or their teacher or their resource officer or their social worker. And we're just another face that if they feel like maybe they need to talk to somebody that's maybe a little bit distant from the school system, we're there as well. And we're there to help them, not in any way, shape or form, anything other than to help them and to help help address the problem. You know, one of the things that I started when I became the, the elected district attorney in 2011, I was a prosecutor for 15 years before I became the elected DA, is we started the Bully Blocker Program, and that's our anonymous texting program because we felt like there were situations that were going on right here in our schools and even as young as elementary school where Young people were being bullied or they knew of someone being bullied. Uh, It was causing severe problems in that young person's life. And they yet, they still didn't feel comfortable talking to their parents. They didn't feel comfortable talking to their teachers. And so we wanted to be an additional person that they could come to anonymously and text the issue going on. And then we would go to the schools and try to help solve the problem. Solving the problem is is the key there, um, not prosecuting somebody for being a bully or right. you know putting somebody in jail for being a bully. Not at all. We just want to be another person that they feel comfortable talking to, so that we can address the issues. Because statistics say that if we don't stop the bully, um, they are eight times more likely to become later in life a felon offender and so we need to stop that behavior at a young age and that's what we're trying to do and you gave them the tools you've given the tools to do that with the app with the bully blocker absolutely the Mm -hmm. anonymous texting app Mm -hmm. where their name is never mentioned their number is never mentioned and so we hope that that would uh, make them feel a little bit more comfortable in coming forward and sharing information that they might not necessarily share so it has been very successful and you know as you know um, not only do we have bullying issues going on and that's 
pervasively because of social media. We have all kinds of issues going on because of social media, because everyone carries a phone. And so we also this year launched our new initiative, which is basically an Internet safety and human trafficking initiative, because we think that there are a lot of young people. Statistics also say that 80 percent of middle schoolers, by the time they leave eighth grade, have texted a naked picture of themselves or some type of picture of themselves without some clothing on. And so that's the first step when you take a picture of yourself and you project that image, you may think you're only sending that to a young man that you like, but that young man can take a screenshot of that picture. Let's say it's on Snapchat. They can, he can take a, 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 a picture of that before it disappears on Snapchat and then he can post it to everybody in the class if he wants to. Right. And so education of our young people about mm-hmm. things like that and how damaging that could be to a person um, psychologically and physically um, you know, is very important for our young people to learn more about that and to learn why you shouldn't engage in that behavior in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes too, the, the really hard fact about that is you may you may very um, naively send that to someone thinking that no one else is going to see it, but that if it gets in the hands of a wrong person, let's say a stranger or a sexual predator online, and then that person reaches out to you and you're not sure who it is, but like you do in a lot of their, like young people do in their, a lot of their mm-hmm. social apps, they just start talking to somebody and then that person begins um, to manipulate you and ask you to send more images and those kinds of things. And that behavior escalates and then it gets way out of hand. And so we're trying to educate young people about the da- more of the dangers right. of social media and right. how it causes so many problems. And they're naive. They're just not aware or they're not thinking because they're, they're kids and, and not thinking ahead about and the I will tell you who else the consequences. Who else is very naive? And um, it's not educators, that's for sure. Um, But it's parents. Parents Parents don't really understand, uh, especially older generation parents like me that are 50 and and older. um, They don't understand because they don't understand social media themselves. And they don't understand, you know, what their children are actually really doing when they're on social media. Right. And so part of our um, initiative also is we go out and we do PTA meetings and we do after school meetings and we do evening meetings with parents of our um, students because we think it's very important to educate parents. Parents need to know what to talk about, okay, with their young people. They need to be educated and they need to know. Y'all know this because you're educators, but parents need to know that it's very important that at least once or twice a week you eat dinner together, even if it's takeout pizza or, you know, Big Macs from Big Macs. Let's see, that's McDonald's. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. If it's just something that you pick up really quickly, right. you sit around the table and you have a conversation mm-hmm. and then you slowly without freaking the kids out, you slowly talk about these issues right. and you have to set rules and barriers. And, you know, we also go into simple things like with parents before you give your kid a phone in elementary school, which is usually when parents start giving kids phones, you have to address the rules of the phone and the issues that come along. It is a big responsibility to have a phone. And if your kid doesn't know what the rules are when they get that phone, mm-hmm. then more likely they're going to be um, susceptible to online predators. Wow. Yeah, that's frightening. One little phone. Yep. Oh, it's it's a huge it's thing. a huge issue. A huge so, issue. how has this this new initiative uh, done so far this this fall? I know that when we interviewed uh, Terrell Patrick, I think it was during the summer, we uh, he said that that was going to be rolling out this fall. So, how well, what have you seen so far? First and foremost, I'd like to commend um, 
Dr. Threadgill for allowing us to have this uh, human trafficking initiative in the schools because it's a hard topic to talk about. Nobody wants to believe or think that potential human trafficking is going on right here in Mobile. Absolutely, that's right. And um, he was absolutely on board from the very beginning, and I think that's very telling. He realizes the um, issues, and he realizes uh, the issue is very, very important regarding Internet safety and online sexting and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And it's a very hard topic, um, and we were uh, concerned that we would have uh, parents calling our office and saying, why are you talking to my kids about these kinds of things? This is something I should talk to them about as a parent. But luckily we have not, because I think the manner in which we're addressing it is a very... um, it's a good manner in which we're addressing it. And we're not going into um, very detailed specifics, but we're talking about the consequences of what could happen. And we have a wonderful young lady who's done this video for us, and she um, was uh, almost trafficked herself. And so she tells her story, and she's very relatable uh, to our young people in our schools right now. I bet that's powerful. It is very, Mm -hmm. very powerful. And we're so honored that she would take this as her platform and uh, do this video because it took a lot of courage for her um, to stand uh, in front of a microphone and tell her story. And she was um, basically taken advantage of from the time she was 15 until the time she was 18 by an online predator. And she tells her story, and it's very, very powerful. And I know that it will reach a lot of our young people, and I know that hopefully it will thwart any um, ability for other people to um, to manipulate young people. And That's if right. we can stop one manipulation from happening, then it's been a success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that video available? Absolutely. Or is it just when you... No, it's available, and it's on our website on at mobileda.org. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'd like to see that. It's very powerful very powerful and so you know we're in the schools all the time and I think it's just so important that they know that we're there as a helping hand we're not there as an enforcement hand but at the same time our second prong of our youth and family services is also um, truancy and I think we all know as educators it is very important that y'all can't y'all can't educate uh, if you don't have your students there in attendance that's correct and so we know through uh, COVID Uh, to bring up a sore subject, we know through COVID that a lot of our young people never checked in. A lot of our young people's parents didn't make them come to school. They used COVID as an excuse, and we've got to get past that, and we've got to get our students back in school, and we've got to make sure our parents understand their their responsibilities and that they could be subject to criminal liability if they continue um, to not make their kids go to school and that's what the truancy laws are in the state of Alabama so we are also responsible for working with our truancy officers here in the Mobile County Public Schools in making sure that if uh, students have excessive absences that their parents come down with them and watch the truancy video and they are educated about the law and know that it is their parental responsibility by law to get their students to school so that y'all can do the great job of educating them. Well, thank you. And I think that that level of awareness, I mean, you know, that education part is just about making students and parents aware of what that law is. Oh, absolutely. They don't even, you know, I think a lot just don't even know that it is a law. Right. <laughs> and it is a law and it is subject to if the parents do not do what they're supposed to mm-hmm. do, then they can be charged with a violation of the truancy laws. And then they'll have to report down to Strickland Youth Center and see Judge Edmund Naiman at the Strickland Youth Center. And that is a, um, a really not pleasant thing. Right. Yeah, I, I bet. 
<laughs> That's some early prevention That's right there, isn't it? I don't it? think parents really want to do. No, okay. but it is just that being aware that these things are happening, that these things are laws, like the trafficking is something that exists. You I'm know, sure. and because there's a lot of, I'm sure, a lot of pushback that that oh, that here in well, the bill, no you know, way. It's real easy to put your head in the sand and act like right. nothing's going on. Right. But we unfortunately owe responsibility to our young people to recognize these things are going on in our community and educate them about all of the things that are going on and educate them about their responsibilities um, to make sure that they're not a victim of these types of uh, criminal activity and that they're not engaging in these types of criminal activity. And one of the things you pointed out earlier, uh, we may not have been on air, but you said that your people go out into the schools and they go out often. They're building relationships. It's not like a one-time thing. We do a, a, we speak to the kids and then we leave. We're in the schools all the time. No. That's what you're saying. As you know, the best teachers I've ever had in my life were the teachers that were in the halls, that were high-fiving me, that were, I didn't have their class, mm-hmm. but they were the ones that were encouraging me and, and, and showing me love, mm-hmm. so to speak, outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we try to do in our Youth and Family Services Program. We try to be a presence in the school, in the individual schools, and we try to be another person. Um, In addition to all of the education staff, we try to be another person that's there to support these young individuals. And, you know, it's pretty cool that somebody from the DA's office is supporting them, you Mm -hmm. know, too. That doesn't hurt. But we're there to just try and support them and make them know that we're there and our presence is known. And if something is going wrong or something's bad, then we're there to help right and it's just so important and and I just think you know I I learned that at a very young age that encouragement goes way 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 farther than discipline that's right and so um, if we can just continue to be an encouraging um, presence in our schools then our program is working too and that that kind of leads to my last question for you was what do you see coming or what would you like to see coming with uh, the DA's office in terms of relationship with the schools? Are there any more programs down the line that you would like to initiate? Or I'm always thinking of bright ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, you know, I just, I, I just applaud the efforts of the Mobile County Public School System to have us uh, in the schools. That was a big step for them to say, you know, are we really going to let the district attorney's office in our schools? And it's a it's a really positive thing. And so I try to encourage other district attorney's offices throughout the state to have a presence in our schools and to do uh, mirror the things that we're doing with this program. And I think it's so very important that um, the more students that we reach, the better. So we're going to continue this program as long as the Mobile County Public Schools will have us. Um, and we will work on other initiatives as we see new things pop up, new apps pop up. New, uh, new issues that are going on with social media. And that's the biggest thing is just social media is forever changing and there's always right. something new out there. And so we want to stay abreast of those things and we want to really um, educate people about new things that are going on uh, within our student population. The other issue that we can talk about in a whole nother podcast is um, it wasn't until several years ago that we even acknowledged that gangs exist. And we have to tackle the gang problem as well. And we're going to try to do everything we can to encourage young people to not uh, be in a gang in the first place. Right. And and being in school, in a school building, often, and not truant, will right. help that. I would Absolutely. think that there's a connection with that. Absolutely. <laughs> if kids aren't in school, what are they doing? Yeah. What are yeah, they doing? They're, join they're wreaking havoc on right. the community and they, and or they're going to join mm-hmm. a 
gang. You can call it a gang. You can call it a social network. They want to be part of something. They absolutely want to be part of something. And that's when we often see the problems. And we again. want them to be a part of school. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and band and absolutely. clubs and, and those right. type of things that are offered. And not going and trying to grab and go, you know, food from the convenience store, mm-hmm. candy or snacks or stupid things, right. and then getting in trouble because somebody pulls a knife and it becomes a robbery first. That's right. not what we want them to do. We want them in school so that doesn't ever, be, right. you know, become a problem. And, and I think that was one of the things that Terrell had said, Terrell had said about, the, the students not even being aware of what is illegal and illegal, like standing oh, out in front of a building for, for a little while, you know, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. that education is just so important. Right. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. That's you know, any conversation I get to have a great conversation about the things that I think are, are so important and, and I'm passionate about, I really um, appreciate the opportunity to have the forum. Absolutely. Well, we thank you for being here. Thank you for listening or watching, and be sure to catch us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's what's next next in Ed. Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by... Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.